Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says, while the earth remains. Is the earth still here? Cool. Not your questions. Making sure y'all knew. Seed time and harvest and cold and heat. And summer and winter, you know, sometimes it seems like we get all that in one week in Georgia. Yeah. And day and night shall not cease. So because summer and winter still remain, and day and night still remain, and the earth's here, so is seed time and harvest. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 in the New Living says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. 2019 is a year of abundant harvest. 2019 is a year of abundant harvest. If you've been with us for a while, last summer and early fall, I began to share things on my heart that, you know, I really believe that there was some harvest in front of us that we hadn't reaped yet. And so I started sharing it with some people who are in my small group. I shared it with them, and I shared it with the congregation. And then in the fall, I started writing for, uh, Harvest Friday messages to the email box because that was on my heart. And then when I got to November, a man of God was in a session, and he says, you know what the Lord told me about 2019? He said, it is a year of abundant harvest. And I was like, man, I'm so great, grateful we're on the right track. And then on New Year's, of course, I found a preached a tremendous message about 2019 being a year of abundant harvest. Now, to make sure that we'll know what the phrase abundant harvest means, we've been given definitions and do a slight review before we jump in new material. Abundant means plentiful, in great quantity, fully sufficient, abounding, and overflowing. The word harvest means the season of reaping and gathering. It is the product of labor. It is fruit or fruits. It is effects, consequences, and the proper season for business. We know this is a harvesting year. But as we go through the sixth month of 2019, how is your harvesting going? See, because a lot of us, we get really excited at New Year's, the prophetic word of the Lord. We're so excited about what God said, and we remember it in January. But February is a little less strong. March is even less than that. By the time we get to April, we're like, what did, what did Jesus say about this year? Especially by the time the summer gets, we're like, oh man, it's summer vacation time. And we're not thinking that God has promised us something this year. And so that's why we're doing this series, Harvest Checkup, to make sure you're still harvesting even though it's June. So throughout the Word of God, there is a comparison to sowing seed and giving financially. Knowing this, we should keep in mind the natural process of seed time and harvest when we think of the biblical and prophetic promise of financial harvest. As we've seen in this series, not all seeds are financial. And not all harvests are financial. Not all seeds are financial. Not all harvests are financial. Although not every harvest is a financial harvest, there is a great, abundant, bumper, overflowing financial harvest that God wants us to reap. In order to get a better grasp of harvesting, we have to understand sowing and gathering. And so we've been giving things over the last month that you should know and do to check up on your harvesting. And as of last week, I got you 27 different things. And because of the sake of time, I'm not going over those 27 today. I put in my notes so you can read through, but if you miss any of those messages, go online. That's why we put all of our messages up there for free, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the thing is also, if it's up there for free, you're without excuse. So, well, Pat, well you know, God, I just don't know what the man of God said on Sunday. Well, God can say, well, go to YouTube. 
Go to the app. Go to the website. It's out there, so if you missed it, catch up on it. I remember one time my wife and I were driving home, and she said, you know, isn't it interesting that we can binge watch our favorite TV show? We can binge watch our favorite season. We can binge watch on Netflix, but no one wants to binge watch the Word. And so the thing is, cool, enjoy your favorite Netflix show. Enjoy your favorite TV show. You know, I'm catching up on one of my shows. But take some time and binge on the Word. Because everything else is entertainment. And it's cool to have entertainment to a certain extent. But that's not going to produce anything for me. But if I binge on the Word, my faith is going to get strong. And I can change everything around me. Because it says all the systems of the world bow down to our faith. Because it's our faith that overcomes the Word. So some of y'all may need to take some time this summer and binge on the Word so that you're strong enough to do what God has called you to do. See, a lot of people want big miracles, but they never built their faith to handle small miracles. It's like someone going to the gym and they had not been to the gym in years, and they're just so full of themselves. It's like, man, I'm a bench press. Not 145 now. I want 445s on each side. I got this. And they got to run to the hospital. And some of us are spiritually the same way. We have to build ourselves up day by day, day in, day out. Faith is a lifestyle, not just something you do on Sunday. It's just the just shall live by faith. That means every day we should be in the Word. Every day we should be reading the Word. Every day we should be hearing the Word and applying the Word if we expect to grow. So I encourage you to go back over the notes and the past message to look at the 27 different things we covered. So let's go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. One of our scriptures we've been looking at in this series, but we'll look at it a different way today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. Don't be tricked. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. When you look at chapter 6, verse 6, it is talking about finances. But then Paul expands his promises to include more than just finances. So you can't remove finance from the context if you want to stay in context. But also, it's much more, as you see Paul explain. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or decay or ruin. But he that sows to the Spirit, the who? Shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary or get tired in well-doing or doing the right thing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Meaning you can do all the right things and then get tired and still not get a harvest. So, well, pastor, how long do I walk by faith till you get what you're believing for? Well, how long do I keep working on harvesting until you harvest what you're trying to harvest? It's like a farmer who gets tired right before it's the fall. Like, well, I've been, I sowed, I watered, I did everything, and yeah, I see it out there, but I'm too tired to go get it. That's a lot of Christians. We get tired too soon. We quit too soon. Paul says, you'll reap if you faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Back up to verse 9 again. But he that sows to the Spirit shall up or from the Spirit reap life everlasting. It's not talking about eternal life in the sense that I'm going to heaven when I die. That's handled. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you receive him in your heart, you're going to heaven. You've received eternal life where heaven is concerned. 
So here it's not just talking about the quantity of life, it's talking about the quality of life. And that if you sow to the Spirit in this time, you will reap eternal life or life as God has it in this time from the Spirit. There is an abundant life harvest. That if you follow the promptings of the Spirit, you'll reap it. So you sow to Him, you'll reap from Him. But also, if you follow the promptings of the Spirit, you'll reap the harvest that's in front of you. Because a lot of times, we can't see a harvest. Even though some of us, you can spark some harvest if you have a well-trained eye, you've done this a while, some harvest you already know. But there's some things we just can't see because they are spiritually discerned. But if the Holy Ghost opens your eyes, you can see it. I like what I heard a man of God say that if you can see things people can't see, you can get things people can't get. And the Holy Spirit wants to open your eyes. But you have to follow His promptings. If you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you will reap life everlasting. The Holy Spirit will help you reap your harvest, and He has been sent to gather the greatest harvest. Go with me to John 16. John 16. John chapter 16. Because in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talks about the work of the Holy Ghost and what he would do in the life of every day believer. So Jesus, surrounded by his disciples, he's been with this crew for over three years now. And he says, I have to go. But it's good that I go. Can you imagine, even though you reverence Jesus, you love Jesus, you respect him, but if you were there in that group, says, it's good for you to leave me? Okay, Jesus, something's off. But Jesus said, it's good that I go so that the comforter can come. That word comforter also means the helper or the encourager. He says he's going to be another comforter or a comforter in the same manner and style that I am. And the thing is, Jesus, while he was on earth, was limited to where his human body could be. But when the comforter, the helper, the encourager comes, he'll be everywhere at once. So Jesus began to explain to him how it's better for him to leave so they can receive the comfort. He says, if you were impressed by me, wait till you see the comforter. You were impressed by me, wait till you see the encourager. You're impressed by me, wait till you see the helper who I'm going to send you. He says, how be it when he, the comforter, the encourager, the helper, the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. All truth. Not just some truth. Not just spiritual things. All truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you, or he will announce to you things to come. Do you, have you ever studied the life of Jesus, walking through the Gospels? And did you ever see him, when people ask him a question, they said, well, where are you going to go next? Well, I guess we're going to do this. Well, I guess we'll do that. You never saw Jesus guessing, did you? And so he said, well, he didn't guess because he's God, but he didn't operate as God on earth, although he was the son of God. He operated as a man anointed by God. So if Jesus didn't have to guess, you are also redeemed from guessing. You say, well, pastor, I don't know what to do with the one who knows everything lives on the inside of you. So stop saying, I don't know what to do. If you have to say, I don't know, just say, I don't know yet, but I'll know very soon. John said it this way, you received an unction or anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The one who knows everything is on the inside of you. You just have to take time and listen. You know, before you go to Facebook and see what they think, before you text your group chat, hey, what do y'all think about this? Before you look at every single other expert and forget that you have the Holy One on the inside. Take some time and listen to the greater one within. Jesus, he shall glorify 
or honor or lift up or make me famous. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father have are mine. Therefore, said I said, he shall take of mine and show it unto you. So one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to lead us and to guide us and in our lives make Jesus famous. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit. So before the religious people go, oh no, that must be another word in the Hebrew. I looked it up. It means to gain. So whether you like profit or gain, it's still the same thing. The Lord will teach you how to profit, and he'll lead you by the way that you should go. So the Holy Spirit, who's been sent to us, will teach us how to profit. And he'll lead us in the way we should go. A lot of times we want the Holy Spirit to lead us. We want the clouds to turn purple and green and blue and red. We want thunder to come from the sky, the earth to shake, and five angels to appear to know it's a word from God. But that's not how the Holy Spirit leads us. The number way he leads us, the word of God and the still, small voice. On the inside, it's going to be a gentle leading. A lot of times we don't hear him because we dismiss him. And we know it's him afterwards, after we did something crazy, like, oh, something told me not to do that. It wasn't a something, it was a someone, and he is Holy Ghost. He is always talking. We just have to be willing to listen. It's a still, small voice. It is a nudging. It is a leading. And that is the number one way he will teach you how to profit and lead you while you should go. It's also called being led by peace. You're about to make a decision, even if it's a financial or any type of decision, and you're about to do it, and you have this uneasy feeling on the inside. I'm not talking about your nervous. On the inside, it's like, something's not right about this. Don't do it. Parents, if your kid's about to go somewhere, and you have this uneasy feeling on the inside, don't let them out that house. You need to teach your kids to say, hey, we can make plans, but if I get a warning from God about going somewhere, we ain't going nowhere. You have to follow the leading of the Spirit in everything we do. Because he'll teach us how to gain, and he'll show us which way we should go. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Now, even before I go to the movies now, I don't get to go as much as I want to, but even before I go, you know, I check, Holy Ghost, can I go to this showing? Not just to this movie, but to this theater and this showing, because I don't want anyone acting crazy when I'm just trying to watch the Avengers. I want to enjoy my cinematic experience. So I check in with him. Are they going to be cool? Because if not, I just don't need to see it today. Or I'll pick another theater. You need to check in with them. We're going to read that verse earlier. Acknowledge him, he shall direct your paths. Wherever you acknowledge, he will direct. So if you only acknowledge him in super, super spiritual things, that's all the direction you will get. He said, well, pastor, I don't know where to acknowledge him. That's why praying in the Holy Ghost is important. Because while you pray in tongues, you ask God for things you don't even know you need to ask for. And then all of a sudden you get direction and information. Like, man, I didn't even ask for that. No, you did in tongues. Acts chapter 1. And once again, I guess I'm talking to a lot of parents, don't I? You know, there was a story about somewhere up north in the Midwest, how that, uh, there was a little kid who was at the mall. And this man who was disturbed and had a lot of issues picked up the child and tossed him over three floors. Now, he should have died, but God. See, his family is a family of believers. They go to a word church. They actually go to Lynn, Hammond, Lynn and Mac Hammond's church. 
So that church has been praying up a storm and that baby's been recovering. God's been doing supernatural things in that case. But when they asked them, when they were talking to the mom, she says, I walked into the mall and I felt uneasy. I knew I was supposed to leave, but I had already promised that we'd meet somebody there and I didn't. But what was the uneasy feeling? The Holy Spirit warned, you need to get out of here. You must follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. I remember I was teaching on this when one of the things says in Texas, you know, I was a youth pastor, I was a campus minister, I was doing a lot of things at once. And so I was teaching a Bible study every week on uh, the University of Texas campus. And so we had a group of kids who were gathering, I would teach them the word. And I remember one week I was teaching them how to be led by the Spirit. And so it was a simple devotion, talk about the inner witness and follow that. And then a couple days later, they had an incident on campus that someone was spotted on campus with a gun or something was causing some type of disturbance. And so, you know, I'm checking on all of our guys. Like, you guys okay? You guys safe? And I say, yeah, we're good. He says, I was about to go to that same building, but on the inside, I heard no. So I didn't. He was protected from even having his peace disturbed. No one was even injured in that building. But if you were in that situation, you would have lost some peace. But the Holy Ghost kept him from even losing his peace. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The former treaters of the letter I have made, O Theophilus, lover of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So although Jesus was ascending, Luke is letting the, uh, the person he's writing to know that Jesus continued his work through the Holy Ghost. Jesus began it, but he's going to bring it to completion through the Holy Ghost. And where is the Holy Ghost? Within us and upon us. So Jesus is going to finish his work through the Holy Spirit that lives in us and rests upon us and dwells among us. Because he says in verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So notice how important receiving the Holy Spirit was to Jesus. Don't y'all leave till you get him. And people say, like, oh, we need to tarry for the Spirit. That's not what he meant. He just said, wait till he's given in this way. And he only waited 10 days. And the Holy Spirit was given. We'll get to chapter 2 in a moment. But one of the things I want to point out is that in the book of Acts, as well as in the writers of Peter, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And one of my friends, he's a Greek scholar, and we were talking about it this week, about what that name means. He said, it doesn't just mean the Spirit of Jesus. It implies the Spirit that comes from Jesus. That in Luke's writings, he's painting a picture that although Jesus is not walking on the earth in physical form anymore, he's still with his church everywhere they go through the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, one of the basic promises of the gospel is your Jesus is with you. Before you ascended, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You don't go anywhere by yourself. Jesus is with you. Every single step of the way. Even when you're trying to figure things out, you don't even have clear direction yet. You're still trying to pray. You're not by yourself. He's right there. You go through the book of Acts and you can see these are humans trying to figure it out. But Jesus didn't let them alone, so I'll let you figure it out by yourself. He was right there in the midst of it. You have to understand that yes, he is the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the ending, but he's also everywhere in between. You serve the God who's also the God of the middle. See, a lot of times we focus on miracles and harvest. We focus on the time of sowing, and we look at the time of harvest. We looked at the time when the trouble showed up, and we looked at the victory that happens. But you have to understand something has to happen in the middle because not everything is automatic. So when you look at the word soldier, when it talks about save or salvation in the Greek, it means saving, it means healing, it means deliverance, 
It also means prospering, but it also means perseverance. God will preserve you. So you might say, well, it's taking a little bit longer to get the harvest I'm after. And you're focused on the harvest, but you miss that there's a God in the middle preserving you. Because you're looking for this big miracle to meet this big need, but in the middle, all these little needs keep getting met, but you're not looking at it because you're still looking at a big miracle, but it's still in the middle. There is a God who is preserving you. There is a God who is protecting you. There is a God who is keeping you every single step of the way. So sometimes we look at the beginning and the big miracles, but don't forget, you serve the God who is the God of the middle. You have to understand, he is the fourth man in the fire. They may throw you in the fire, but if they throw you in, they throw Jesus too. If they throw you in the lion's den, they throw in Jesus too. There's nowhere you can go that your Jesus doesn't go with you. He is with you every single step of the way. And you might have a good day. He is there. You may make your bed in hell. He is there. Wherever you go, to the left, he is there. To the right, he is there. To the north, he is there. To the south, he is there. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is faithful. He is with you even to the end of the age. So stop saying I'm all by myself in this. Your Jesus Jesus is with you every single step of the way. Never forget it. You're not in this by yourself. Jesus is with you. He's the God of the middle, as well as the Alpha and the Omega. See, you may be going through something right now, but you're going through. So you can get on the other side. The Lord is your shepherd. He's leading you through it. But even when those, four, when those three Hebrew boys were walking through the fire, when Jesus showed up in the middle, when they got out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Not only were they preserved, you couldn't even tell they went through something. Some of you are just focused on going through. But God is focused on getting you through, growing you, and getting you to the place it doesn't even look like anything you've been through. So where you show up, people look at you, it's like, oh, your life has been so perfect. Your life has been so good. You've never been through anything in your life. He says, you don't understand the mountain ranges in my past. But because God did it once, he did it again. And the power of faith removed all the mountains out my way because my God is with me. My God is on my side. My God is in me now. My God rests upon me. I dwell in his presence and he is faithful. And if he did it once, he's going to do it again because he's never going to leave me by myself. Even when I'm faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's like, Pastor, what do you mean he can't deny himself? Didn't you read 1 Corinthians 6? Once you believe on Jesus, you become one with him. He can't deny me. I'm part of him. I've been engrafted in. I've been baptized into the body of Christ. I've been placed right there in the middle with every single believer of all time. You're not by yourself. Stop acting like it. You got the one who defeated death himself with you everywhere. All of hell, Satan, every demon, and death itself held Jesus down. He brushed them off and got up. He's with you. Never forget it. So the Holy Spirit was sent to remind you of things that Jesus said to tell you the things that the Father's saying on the throne and to make what Jesus did for you real to your everyday life. And when you listen to the voice of the Spirit, He's not going to talk to you in King James English. 
Now, if you talk to people in King James English, then he'll talk to you in King James English. But however you talk is how he's going to talk. And sometimes you'll think, well, that was just me. Well, let's analyze that. Well, did it come from your spirit, the real you? Then yeah, it was you, because the Holy Spirit talks through your spirit. And he will sound like you will use examples that make sense to you. See, there are times God will talk to me using superhero movies, because I get that. I can watch Star Trek and get blessed by the Holy Ghost. Because he'll use stuff that I understand. Because the thing is, we make God deeper than he actually is in the wrong way. He's deep in an amazing way, but we make him deep in a way that he's not. And some things he's very simple to the application. But we have to follow him and listen. See, when you look at all the examples that Jesus did, when you read the Gospels and look for the person of Jesus, Jesus was a master storyteller. And he used examples his people would get because of the agriculture society. When he was talking about things, he was pointing out things. Hey, you see that mountain over there? You see that ocean over there? You see that farm over there? Hey, there was a certain person. He's using things they got. He's going to talk to you the way you understand him. So don't expect Elizabethan English. It's going to be something you understand. Because he's the Holy Spirit. And he's leading you in the way that you should go. We need to listen. The more you listen, the easier it becomes to hear. The less you listen, the harder it becomes to hear. It's about conditioning your heart. The softer your heart is, the more easy it is to hear. But every time you reject, every time you dismiss, every time you don't listen, your heart becomes harder. A soft heart can hear from God like this. And things in some areas, we can make our heart softer to hear in this area. We make ourselves harder to hear in another area. See, the most dangerous and the most damning thing in all of creation is a hard heart. Because if your heart is hard, God may warn you, but you won't hear it. If your perception is dense and dull, God can speak from heaven, but you won't know what he said. Well, how do you know that? You read the Gospel of John, and Jesus was talking, and he said, Father, glorify your name. And from heaven, God said, I have glorified it, and I will do it again. The disciples... And those close to Jesus knew what God said. Other people said, oh, an angel talked. And then other people said, oh, it thundered. Depending on where you are walking with God, depending on what you heard. We have to make sure that we hear from God consistently. I remember reading a book by Dad Hagen. He's the guy who trained our founder. And the Lord told him decades ago, this is one of the most important things you can teach people who live in the last days is how to be led by the Spirit. We must follow his leading and his guidance. So when you get to chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost fully comes, they're all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there comes a sound from heaven that sounds like a rushing mighty wind. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice they began to speak. The Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Ghost did not make anybody talk. He filled them, rested upon them, and gave them the style of the language they spoke. You see, the Holy Ghost is not weird. Weird people make the Holy Ghost weird. The Holy Ghost is not spooky. Spooky people make the Holy Ghost spooky. So if you were spooky before you got the Holy Ghost, now you're a spooky person with the Holy Ghost. 
I remember I was talking to Bishop one time, and we was talking about his school of ministry. He goes, well, how are they doing? I said, oh, they're doing pretty good, sir. You know, they're still kind of spooky. He was like, what? I said, you know, year one's got to knock the spooky out of them, and then they'll be ready for you. He just fell out laughing. Because some of us are spooky. You know, we take the verse where peculiar people a little bit too far. The Holy Ghost is not spooky. He's not weird. He's powerful. He is wonderful. There are parts of him that are very mysterious, that will leave you in awe. But nothing about being filled with the Spirit and speaking other tongues is spooky, weird, or wrong. Don't let non-filled people or people in the world put a stigma on being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. Because there's actually a lot more of us than they like to admit. Like years ago, there was a study, not even the last couple years, years ago, they said there's over 800 million tongue talkers on the planet. Filled with the Spirit. So make much of the gift He's given you. And so when the Holy Ghost was poured out in such a way, the sound drew a crowd. But when they were filled with the Spirit, you know, they didn't act normal. They didn't act as reserved. Everybody heard them speaking with loud voices the praises of God. So there's 120 people up there. And they're speaking in these other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But there are crowds of people from nations all around. They heard in their language the praises of God. Now, it didn't say these 120 individuals spoke all these languages. It just said the people who were gathered heard it. So this outpouring is another miracle. So while things are going on, you know, the people in the crowd says these people are full or drunk on new wine. But the thing is, if you start speaking in different languages or you hear different languages, people aren't going to think you're drunk. They may think you're intelligent. But people only think you're drunk if you act like you're drunk. See, there are parts of the Holy Ghost where he'll move in a certain way and he look back and like, oh, did I really do that in church? He's like, you came, you had your good wig on. <laughs> you looked at your Remy hair, you got everything set up. <laughs> you had your designer's jeans or your three-piece suit, you were ready. And then the Holy Ghost begins to move and you begin to praise God like he's been good. And the next thing you know, you've sweated out your hair, dude. There's a weave over there, we don't know where it came from. You sweat it through your suit. You're like, oh, what happened? <laughs> See, there's parts of the Holy Ghost that are not dignified by man's standards today. But what he'll do in five minutes is greater than what we could do in five years. So he's doing something among those 120 people to the point that people's like, oh, they're acting like they're drunk. They're stumbling around. They're laughing, you know. They're full of new wine. It says Peter stood up, which means he was on the ground or something. And so whipped the leaven, so the leaven were on the ground too. And Peter says, these people aren't drunk or full of new wine like you think they are. It's only 9 a.m. That meant something then. It means nothing now. But back then it meant something. He says, they're just very filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, this is what Joel, the prophet of God, had to say about it. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants, on my handmaidens, I will pour out on those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So when the Holy Spirit's poured out, three things happen. Prophecy, the Holy Spirit is speaking, edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
which means he's speaking encouraging words that will build and strengthen you. Not all prophecy is telling the future. The simple gift of prophecy is speaking a supernatural message that encourages or builds up. You find that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Then visions and dreams accompany. The Holy Spirit is revealing and showing things. But also part of the outpouring, it says, upon all flesh, on servants and handmaidens, the Holy Spirit is empowering for a service. So when you look at Joel chapter 2, which is where Peter is preaching from, I'm going to give you the context for the sake of time, that when you look at chapter 1, the first part of chapter 2 of the book of Joel, Israel has messed up. They've messed up big to the point they've opened the door for judgment, and these locusts have come in and have eaten their crops. So their economy is devastated because they opened the door through their sin, through their disobedience. And the prophet Joel is saying, hey, it's like this because you were hard-headed. It's like this because you were disobedient. It was like this because you left God. It's like this because you went your own way. And then you get to chapter 2, it says, repent. Don't rend your garments, which was the outward show of repentance. See, some of them were really good with a religious show. See, some things never change. Some people are good with the show. So Joel says, don't rend your garments, rend your heart. God's not interested in the show. He's interested in the condition of your heart. Then he tells the preachers, this is what you need to do. He tells the priests, this is what you need to do. He says, everybody needs to gather, and all together, you need to repent. And they do. And you see verse 18, it says, Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I'll no more make you reproach among the heathen or the nations. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Corn, wine, and oil are symbols of the economy. Corn, of course, is harvest. Oil represented a stable and prosperous economy. An oil tree can produce for hundreds of years. So if you have oil trees that are producing, it means your economy is stable. God promised them a harvest that would satisfy them. See, it's like Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13 through 15. It says, It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken or pay attention and do diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your corn and your wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your cattle, that you may enter and eat and be full. Jeremiah 5.24 says, let us now fear or reverence to be in all the Lord our God that gives rain, both the form and the latter and his season. He reserves unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest, or he assures us of a harvest when the time is right. So when you keep reading Joel 2.23, it says, be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately. And what calls for you to come down the rain, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and with oil. Remember, the first promise was, I'll satisfy you. But now after the rain is poured out, there's abundance. He says, your threshing floors will be full of wheat. Your vats will overflow with wine and oil. So you are satisfied in your economy, but now I'm taking you to a place of abundance. Sounds like abundant harvest to me. The former rain strengthened Israel's economy and brought increase, abundance, and prosperity. But since Peter quoted from Joel, and you look at it in the context of the Scripture, it includes all those things for us as believers today, but it also symbolizes much more. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says, Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come to us as the rain, 
as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. The former and the latter rain also symbolize the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The outpouring of the Spirit will bring abundant harvest and so much more. Symbolically, the outpourings of the Spirit bring great harvest of people being one to Jesus. The outpouring of the Spirit also affects your spiritual walk. That's what the wine and the oil speaks of. The wine talks about what the Holy Ghost is going to do on the inside of you. When Jesus talked about it in Luke chapter 5 and other places in the Gospels, he says you can't put new wine in old wineskins. When you got saved, it's not an old wineskin and the Holy Ghost moving in. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You used to be an old sinner. Now you're saved by grace. When you became saved by grace, God changed you on the inside and moved on the inside. That means what God did through Jesus on the cross and changing your inside was great enough for God himself to move in and be comfortable. A lot of times we think, oh, I have all these things to work out. Yeah, you do work out your own salvation. But what the blood did cleans you up to such a point that God himself can make himself at home in you. So the wine speaks about what God is doing on the inside. But the oil speaks what God does on the outside. You're anointed for service. It's Holy Spirit within and Holy Spirit upon. Because Psalm 92.10 says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. It's fresh. You don't have to live off of the anointing of five years ago. It's fresh for every single day if you stay before his presence and let the rain of the Spirit fall on your life. So back to Joel chapter 2 verse 25. So the outpouring is going on. The form of the latter rain is going on. We know that what that represents to us today, symbolically, but also what it represented in their economy in that day. But verse 25 says, And I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palm of my great army which I sit among you. Wait a minute, why did they lose years worth of the economy? They were hard-headed. They backslid. They sinned. They lost out of what they should have had. But notice what God said. I'm going to give it all back to you. It was your fault you lost it. But because it's good and his mercy endures forever, I'm going to give it all back to you. And before when I study the word restore, it comes from the root word for shalom, which also lets you know you're not whole until you've been restored. In God's mind that you may have lost something because of your fault or your sins. You may have lost something because the enemy attacked. You may have lost something because life happened. But it doesn't matter. God will restore. He is the God of peace, the God of shalom, which also means he is the God of restoration and the God who restores you to the point of being whole. God is interested in your wholeness, spirit, soul, body, family, and finances. He is the God of restoration. So the outpouring of the spirit brings restoration. A lot of us just focus on getting through, forgetting what we lost, what God didn't forget. God takes pleasure in restoring you. Some of you just need to ask God for restoration. Because some of the abundant harvest that has come to you this year is going to be restoration. Some of the things that are going to happen in your life that's going to cause you to stand in awe is just restoration. Because the thing is, God knows every single tear you cry. He knows every single labor of love you've done, every single seed you've home. He's not forgotten any of your offerings. And this is a year of abundant harvest. So that means it's a year of restoration. And it's a year of rain because the latter rain fell on the crops to prepare them for harvest. And it says, now he says, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord. So now you're going to eat in abundance and be satisfied. And you shall praise the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. Remember, we said he is the wonder working God. 
and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else my people shall never be ashamed and it shall come to pass after all these things that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh same prophecy Peter quoted the outpouring of the spirit will bring restoration James 5 we're beginning close here be patient therefore brethren verse 7 unto the coming of the Lord Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and latter way. But you also, patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Now notice it said to be patient twice. And it says God is coming twice. So part of it is talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming soon. We should act like it. But also, before he comes, there is a former latter rain, which is the coming of God's presence on the earth to change things. See, the former rain prepared the soil for the seed to be sown, and the latter rain prepared the harvest to be harvested. There are some things we want to change in our nation that's not going to happen through legislation, but it's going to happen through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm grateful for righteous legislation, but that can't change the hearts of men and women. But the outpouring of the Holy Ghost can. And that is what we need in America an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's not who's in the White House, the Supreme Court, or in the Congress. That's all great if you get the people you want, but it don't matter because my Jesus' throne is still higher than the presidents and the Congress and the Supreme Court and the governors and anybody else. So I don't take my news about the nation from them. I take it from him. And I know he's not done with America. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? I'm still here. You're still here. Now, if we all disappear, then, you know. <laughs> but we're still here. Judgment couldn't fall on wicked Sodom and Gomorrah because Lot was still there. Even though Abraham interceded. So if there's 10 people, we think in two metro areas, there got to have been 10 people living, right? But he was wrong. But although he was wrong, judgment couldn't fall until Lot got out. So, yes, judgment comes in seasons and smaller ways in nations. But people thinking, oh, America's going to be overthrown. Not if I'm here. Not if you're here. So instead of joining in with all the crowd talking about negativity, start talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because when he studied the history of America, a lot of things that changed the nation didn't come because of political changes. It became because of awakenings. And the Holy Ghost began to move. And he began to change people's hearts. All of a sudden, things happened. It is the spirit of a living God who will change things. That's why Zechariah 10.1 says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of rain and latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. This is a time of rain. A number of Wednesdays ago, we had a time we were just we were walking through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, and we got to Acts 13 where they ministered to the Lord. So we took time just to minister to the Lord, and the Holy Ghost began to sing through song that there's a rain coming. And so we knew that since there's, it's already raining and we receive the rain, but there's more rain coming. So because it's the time of rain, what are we supposed to keep doing? Ask for more rain. So it should be on every one of our mouths every single day, we ask for the rain. Let it rain on my life. Let it rain on my community. Let it rain over my church. Let it rain in the 10-mile radius around my house and over our church. How, when do we keep praying that? We keep praying until Jesus comes back. We must be those who go after the rain of God's Spirit because it changes everything. It will bring abundance to you individually in your finances. It will bring eternal life of the Spirit to you. 
but it also brings the greatest harvest. People coming to Jesus. Because he said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know what he didn't say? All Christian flesh. See, I believe the Holy Ghost can do such things that they may gather in their mosque and all of a sudden they start talking about Jesus. They may gather in their Buddhist temples and all of a sudden they start talking about Jesus. See, it's happened all over the world. There are people in other religions. They start having dreams of Jesus. They never met him before. They don't know him, but Jesus appears to them and says, you need to go to this church over there. It's the outpouring of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost reveals things. So stop considering things hard cases. It may be hard for you to change, but the outpouring of the Spirit can change it like that. So we must be those who ask for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. Not just on our Sunday experiences, our Wednesday experiences, but all through the week. We expect the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So stand to your feet. The outpouring is important. And you may be someone in here, and you said, well, Pastor, you know that Joel chapter 1, chapter 2 you reference about people being hard-headed and losing stuff because they, are, they made some mistakes? You know, Pastor, I want to be honest, that's me. There's some stuff in my loss I've lost because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, what should I do? Should I start crying and weeping and rend my garments? No. Change your heart. Make a decision. And you don't even have to cry to repent. Now, some godly sour does come up with repentance sometimes, but not all repentance. We look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It talks about, tells them, hey, stop crying. Because they began to repent. It's, oh, man, we've not been living right. And they began to repent and they began to cry. And the man of God said, hey, stop crying, stop crying. Go have a good feast. Go have a good dinner. Provide for those who have nothing. For this day is holy to the Lord your God. Why? Because they turn to God. He said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you're in your heart, you've been convicted as I preach, stop feeling bad about yourself. Stop feeling guilty. If you're a Christian, you don't have the right to feel guilty because Jesus bore your guilt and your shame. But what you need to write, do right now is make a decision that I repent, which means I'm changing my mind on what I've been doing. I'm not going to keep doing it, and I'm going to turn and go the other direction. That's what repent means. And repentance prepares the way for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So everyone lift your hands towards heaven. Close your eyes. If you got something you need to get right with God, go ahead and get right. Some of you need to ask him to forgive you. Go ahead and ask him to forgive you. And begin to ask God for the rain, the outpouring of the Spirit for your house, for your family, for this community. Go ahead and ask him. Go ahead and connect with him right now. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for the former light of rain. We ask for it right now. I thank you for the hearts that are changing, the hearts that are repenting, the hearts that are getting right right now. I thank you for the situations that you're changing. I thank you for restoration. I know you take joy and pleasure in restoring us to better than we were in the first place. So we receive the reign of heaven. And as we take this time to praise and worship you, Father, I fully expect the outpouring of the Holy Ghost as we begin to praise and worship you. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to expect the outpouring of rain as we begin to praise and worship. As we begin to worship and praise Him, expect the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Come on, lift your hands in faith and expectation. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voice in expectation. Hosea said, it'll come to us as the rain, as the former and latter rain. 
I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. Now, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app, as well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.